Nick, why do you send me a random Discord server invite every time we're recording together? I didn't. I do it on purpose. You know when you right-click on someone and you go to mute and then you sort of like move your mouse around? Okay, so right-click my face and just move down that menu. It just pops up immediately. There's no delay. And then if you go to the right, it just it's easy to click on things accidentally in Discord. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Discord Crusade server cast. If you don't think there's hope for the world, why bother going on? EJ, how many servers are you in? Um, I'm in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven servers. Three of those are game-specific LFG servers. Two of them are work-related. Better than me. I'm in 23 servers. That's too many servers. It's true. I don't really hang out in many of them very often. I mute everything. Everything is muted. I'm in 12. Um, most of them are dead. Uh, the only one I check with any regularity is uh, Nintendudes. Nintendudes? The 10 guys of Nin? I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. 10 guys I mute of Nin. that one completely. I don't know anyone in that fucking server. It's like the, my three friends and then literally a hundred strangers. And Max is like, why don't you just come hang out? I'm like, why would I randomly intrude on a fucking voice chat full of names I don't recognize? Your names change every fucking week. I don't know who anyone is. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> oh, okay, it's boomer. Marshall. You know Marshall. Oh, it's Steven. Who the fuck are those people? <laughs> I don't know those people. Yeah, this is the millennial struggle of trying to maintain friendships, but you don't want to be friends with your friends' friends, so fuck then you no. just don't have friends anymore. <laughs> It's a video chat application for me, and then occasionally someone will hit some good memes in 10 Guys of Nin. Yeah, I'm mostly here for the memes and for the magic card spoilers and the, the video game news. Yeah, Mark is red. <laughs> no role mentions. I don't want at mentions. Don't don't give me an icon. Yeah, it's funny that you use it just as a forum. Like It's like Twitter, but you can actually read it chronologically. <laughs> Anyway, Console Crusade Podcast. We should put together an honest-to-God schedule of content and be like, all right, who's leading this one? Who's leading this one? Who's leading this one? Well, like a chore wheel? Yeah, it sounds like so much work. <laughs> it's it's called a release schedule, I which mean, are two words I've tomato. never heard out of this podcast mouth since I've been a part of it. <laughs> hey, it used to be released every Wednesday. I finally, just last month, changed it to releases Wednesdays. <laughs> so, I like that. That's funny. Not a lie. <laughs> Technically correct, but this, this is, is this is the Console Crusade podcast. Chris, you're so grown up now. Look at you stepping in, coming in, putting on daddy's pants. Wait. <laughs> Who's now, daddy? Yours? Mine? I'll, I'll be your daddy. We start over. <laughs> I tried. I was like, I'll I'll lead these horses to water and see if they fucking take a sip. They didn't. Listen, I have so much content now for the first five minutes of this podcast. I am not complaining. People like this. We talk shit. We 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 ramble. We say funny well, Nick says funny things. Console Crusade Podcast. I am Chris Gillyfor, joined by my uh, good pals, as ever, EJ Olson and Nick Durheim. Hey! Howdy. You're so official. This is professor voice. It, a little bit, honest to God. And I've, I've settled in. I had, a good, I had a good first week. I've got my feet under me now. I made two kids, two kids cry last Thursday and was like, uh, nice. I'm not getting this full-time job. Are you one of the teachers who comes in on the first day of class and you're like, 
Nine out of 12 of you won't pass this class. Not even a tiny bit, not even a fucking little bit. And that's why I just like gobsmacked. And really like one of them was upset and the other one was like sort of like adult bearing their gender not conforming. So I don't, don't want to say like mama or papa bear, but they were like adult bearing on their behalf uh, and got kind of bent out of shape. And I was like, yeah, like I'm hearing you like, absolutely. Like these are what you're saying is super valid. I agree with it. Like all of my part in it and just watching them like rapidly deescalate. You're like, oh, he's like listening to me. That's wild. Sounds like theater kids. A little bit. hundred percent. A little bit. Uh, and same, same student showed up at my office like two hours later and was like, hey. I'm like, uh, hi. And they're like, how you doing? And I'm like, how are you doing? And they're like, I'm good. And yeah, we talked for like 15 minutes. Had a great, had a great heart to heart. And we had a great class today with like a reset on the viewpoints we, work we were doing. But I was like, holy shit. It's week one. Like this could be really bad. And it wasn't. So I'm feeling great. Yeah, that'll be the bell curve. You're going to you're going to experience the most of that at the beginning at the end of the semesters, probably. Oh, I bet you're 100 percent correct. And with four classes worth of kids like I and they're all different. I have no overlapping students. So I just got a ton of students and like it's going to happen. But no, I'm I'm a really empathetic instructor. Like I wouldn't give numbered grades if I could get away with it, but they won't let me. I just want folks to like get better at the stuff they're doing. I had a teacher one time. She was re- a real hard ass. Like she was a great teacher, but she was tough and she was, I mean, she was fair, but she did not take shit from anybody. And it was like, I'll give everyone a second chance, but there will be no third chances. And, and this is the problem with like high school and college kids is like, it's just a bunch of people whose brains don't work properly trying to figure life out. And sometimes, and I told this teacher this years, years later, 10 years later, she hired me for something and, and we caught up. She told me the story of uh, a student who like literally like tampered with her brake lines on her car. And it was like this whole like incident. It made the news. It was this whole thing. Like kids do be like that. Kids are dumb, but like it gets spun as like student tries to murder teacher. It's this crazy thing. I know as a teacher, it's probably impossible not to take those things to be like, did I do this? What of what am I doing wrong that has caused this? You know, at the end of the day, it's just a bunch of people with brains that don't exactly work misplacing their emotions and their problems because they can't function optimally in in this world yet you know right and that's just it is and i've I've said this before to like uh, other students uh, when they're having emotional responses uh, to like semester being hard not specifically like anything i'm doing because i'm a fucking teddy bear like i'm there in service of them a hundred percent um but i was like you're not i was like you're not really responding to like this paper you're responding to all of the like high school instructors and professors that you've had who are douchebags about people needing extensions because shit has come up in their life. And they're more concerned with like being the hard ass professor whose class is hard than being a human being who has also like experienced loss and experienced like physical impairment or like mental illness. Like they, they just don't, they just don't care about that. And so they're responding to all of that. Like, previous experience more than they're responding to what's actually happening in front of them. I think that was like kind of true here too. You know what? I have an emotional response to every Sunday night. Oh buddy. (laughs) How's that for a segue? That's an a plus segue. That is an a plus segue. And I completely fucking agree. 
Nick didn't like it. I saw the look on his face. He shook his head to set like really, really low key. Like I've seen Annette make that head shake to me dozens of times in the basement oh, of Gresham High no. School. Like Chris, what are you? We, oh. yeah, friends, listeners, all, all three of you, uh, we, friends and listeners combined, not three listeners. We have like one listener, maybe. Um, it's just Drew. <laughs> we says. are here to talk about for the first time on the Console Crusade podcast, to my knowledge, a television show. Uh, and that is the uh, HBO, uh, uh, dare I say, mega hit in the making adaptation of Naughty Dog's The Last of Us. Uh, EJ, you and I went toe-to-toe with regards to the second installment of this game. We had strong strong feelings about it, but we both played it, uh, both played both games. Um, Nick, if memory serves, you, you, I don't think you played part two, but did, did you play part one? I got about eight hours into part one, um, basically to the point where you meet the guy and his brother and you're about to do like the nighttime leaving of the uh, hotel. All right. All right. You put like a decent little. So that's like in. a third of the game, maybe a quarter. I guess. No, eight hour. I mean, that I mean, you were over halfway in that game. I feel like mm. I'd have to look at a chapter breakdown. Yeah, I was like, I don't know if you remember what season you were in. The game like pretty, pretty neatly divides the first one pretty neatly divides into four seasons. I don't think there was a season change yet. No, that scans the first the first chunk of that game. I mean, as you know, like a lot of it is really uh, well, it's all very cinematic, but a lot of it is very cinematic of like moving you into the exposition, the world building, giving you tutorials for the different systems. So it's like a 15 hour game. Well, anyway, it, it it's yeah, neither here nor there, but, but you've, but you've, you've dabbled. You are aware of, of this game and its impact on uh, what gaming can do as a narrative medium, not just as one that is, I don't want to say entirely based on like video gamey things, but that, a really, really well done narrative with really well done motion captured performances. Yeah, I would say that's that's my main takeaway from Naughty Dog Games in particular is that it sort of set the high watermark for performance capture and selling that as a feature to consumers to be like, hey, you want this. This is a, a thing that you like. I've heard people call Sony the HBO of video games and that kind of tracks. Yeah, wow. Like that sort of level of prestige, whether you like it or not, that's like what they do. And I think that's their goal. So it makes sense for them to do a show with HBO, honestly. It's weird to, to think that The Last of Us, the video game, is 10 years old this year. It, it's Wow. And if you put that in context of like, if you go back to 2013 and you think of what games were 10 years old, dude, what a different world 03 to 13 was than 13 to 23 was. You know what I mean? And that's just, you know, diminishing returns, you know, on, on the quality of not quality, you know, from a, a, a content standpoint, but just technologically, like these yeah. loops are getting smaller and smaller and we're figuring out how to do things. It's like it's like cinema. Like we kind of hit a point in like the late 90s with the advent of computers. And now it's just been sort of teeny tiny iterations, you know, versus the previous, you know, 30 years of filmmaking. But and I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Nick, but we've talked at length about how like video games are not a good delivery method for a narrative like something in The Last of Us, whereas a TV show, because Naughty Dog games are just movies that they put gameplay around. And I would argue that the second game did a much better job of weaving those two things and, and the gameplay 
was much more of an integral part of that storytelling. Whereas like the first Last of Us game is like, here's a gameplay area. Here's 20 minutes of cutscenes. Here's, a, you know, very much A, B, A, B, which some people love. Maybe a little rote at this point. I don't know. But it's kind of like how video games have kind of adopted storytelling from the get go in a lot of ways. If you think about like classic RPGs and the advent of just having video in the first place, like think of Final Fantasy VII as being like the first like blockbuster triple A kind of video game with a story. Even before The Last of Us, you could think of uh, video games that were kind of pushing into the acting and performance capture a little bit less you know, sophisticated, but like Grand Theft Auto games like the um, even like Max Payne, I think was sort of like going for that kind of action noir kind of style. But The Last of Us and even Uncharted were much more like genre flicks in their approach, which I think video games as genre flicks makes a lot of sense because video games inherently are a much less complicated sort of medium as far as the depth of characters and the scope like you get a lot more scope in the world than you do the actual plot i think video games i've talked to you about this a lot ej that video games are a really good way to do a setting because you as a as a character you as a player get to actually explore and that becomes the integral sort of takeaway like chris obviously i could just appeal to you immediately by saying metroid prime and exploring talent four and like that is the character that's the main character of the game you are Samus. You only see reflection in the, in the visor. Samus is not a character. She has no character. And that's the point because you as the player are exploring the world. And that's the story that you want to take away. Well, there's been a lot of talk this week after, you know, two episodes of the show have been released now. There's been a lot of talk about how the video game adaptation curse like, isn't real. Shut the fuck up. It's real. It's real as fuck. The overwhelming flops make up for whatever perceived successes. You know, people talk about, like, when we talk cinema, oh, Sonic and Detective Pikachu, like, whatever. Those movies are average as hell. Just because it's not Resident Evil 4 or uh, or whatever the... F- I, I, how many of those movies do they make? Like eight. You just look at the Halo, the Halo show, and not only is it a bad adaptation, it's also not a good show. It's just... They're just compromises in all the wrong places. Needless. Right. A show like The Last of Us or a game like The Last of Us is so primed for adaptation because it is just a fucking TV show. You know what I mean? You could super easily convince someone that The Last of Us video game is based on The Last of Us TV show like in 20 years and like nobody would bat an eye. Let's jump into it. Like we're we're, we're teasing it. We're teasing it. We're tickling the balls. But like, let's just let we're two let's weeks just, in. Yeah, let's 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 talk about this. So. I think at this point, like to me, it's clear that like this is the one. And after the pilot, I I thought I felt pretty confident like this is the one after this week and uh, the things that they included in the second episode, which we'll talk about. Uh, I, I am I, I am sure that this is the one, um, you know, if it's going to like break the course, the curse, quote unquote. I don't know if I'd go like quite that far as you did with regards to like Sonic and Detective Pikachu, which I thought like hit the marks they needed to hit. That's not like, you know, the next great American piece of cinema, but they were very serviceable movies. Um, and I think that they were serviceable movies in the same way that makes this show so outstanding as an adaptation of a video game, setting it apart from stuff in the past, like the first Mortal Kombat film, or even the second, like the most recent Mortal Kombat film, which I had a great time with. 
but I still felt like suffered from a lot of the same the same flaws that that or the Street Fighter film or the U-Ball Silent Hill films. Like, remember that era? Like, U-Ball was just like, <laughs> oh, man, Uwe Ball is hilarious. Just churning out video game adaptations that sucked. What they all had in common, at least to me, and you'll have to tell me if you agree with this or not, that The Last of Us does not have, and I am thankful for, in spite of some of the skull-achingly shitty takes on the internet to the contrary right now, which are thankfully in the minority, that those game, those adaptations were trying to literally remake a video game in a cinematic standpoint instead of adapting the game into a cinematic standpoint, if that makes sense. So like in Mortal Kombat, we had to see all of the signature moves. We had to see like when Sub-Zero like jumps and does his kick. Oh, my God, that's the move from the game. We had to see all the fucking signature moves. We had to see them fight in the arenas that would like change when you got smashed through the wall. We had to see all that stuff. And The Last of Us is not concerned with making a video game look like a video game on television. They're concerned with how do we translate what this story feels like? How do we translate what this story looks like? How do we translate what these people go through in a way that atmospherically makes sense in a TV show? And I have some like specific points of like evidence to this in the last couple episodes. In, in, well, the, fir- the first one says I want to talk about. But first, I want to kick a tail here. Am I off base here? I, f- I feel like that's a, like a, a, a pretty fair assessment, like the state of the genre such as it is prior to now. To be fair to a lot of bad video game adaptations, it's hard to adapt a video game because like what Nick was saying, just the way you interface with the world and vice versa, why it's hard to tell a good story conventionally in a video game, it's because the, the two mediums are not necessarily compatible. And so adapting, you know, you say, why has there never been like a good Pokemon adaptation or, or, or something? And it's like, well, Detective Pikachu was not conventionally Pokemon in any way. Right. They built a new world, new concept, and just like put Pokemon in it and use those characters to service a completely original story. And that, and that's why that worked. Not a completely original story. Pokemon Detective Pikachu is a game on 3DS. I just wanted to lay that out. You know, like, I understand what you're saying, but it's a yeah. very different feeling city now that I played some right, of it yeah. and I'm not finishing that piece of shit game. Just <laughs> yeah, it's, a, that it's a children's game. It's, right. it's, it's awful. So, so it is, it's hard to, to not, I mean, even creatively and we're seeing with like the Witcher, when you have a team of people who disregard, I know they're basing things more off the books than the game, but they borrow things from the game, which is its own entity separate from the books. But when you don't have a team of people who understand the source material, and I don't just mean beat for beat, but like understand the themes and the motifs and the characters. And that's why last of us is so easily adapted is because all those things that make great cinema, great television, all that's been done by like experienced directors and experienced actors. And so while on one hand it could be easy to, uh, it's not a great one for one here, but like the live action quote unquote Lion King, where it's just like kind of a lifeless shot for shot remake of the cartoon. And it's just like, there's who was this for? Whereas the last of us, like, yeah, they, you know, they're cheating off of the a plus student. So it's not that hard to also get the a plus in that sense, but like the way that they've been able to make it their own, take the aspects that really matter about the gameplay of the last of us and concentrate it into these little bite-sized moments where you still feel like, like everything about this 
freaking show. Uh, and we'll talk about the casting and the characters, which I think I'll probably we'll probably disagree on a little bit. But like for the most part, everything about the way the show looks and feels, the tension they're able to create. Dude, I'm having PTSD the first time I played this game. I'm like, these are feelings that I've only had playing The Last of Us. And yes. I don't know if this is psychosomatic because like I'm expecting The Last of Us, but it so perfectly hits it that I'm just like, I don't like being back here because I hated playing those games, but this is such a unique feeling to, to, to those games and they're capturing it. And even Sarah, who's not, she doesn't know anything about those games. Like we've been watching it together and even she is just like edge of the seat what's going to happen. And, and that's, that's good TV that they've already created these characters and expanded on them in ways that the game couldn't and made it their own while also not being unfaithful to the source material. It's just, it's a balancing act. It's a dance. All right. And they're doing the freaking tango right now. Yeah. The first episode gave uh, Lindsay nightmares. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Let's fucking yeah, because, go. Uh, she has a thing with like media with like chase scenes yeah so sure. like, there was that was a very tense you know in the truck sort of uh beginning of that episode and then she shared with me that apparently that first episode was originally going to be two episodes yes but they combined them which i think was probably the right call because i think at this point i would be a little bit like okay when are we going to start getting some character development because that's been like my only sort of critique i would say is that so far it feels like joel and ellie like your two principal leads haven't really done anything that make them like likable characters. There's nothing to like hold on to. I think the supporting cast has been really strong, actually. Like I really love Tess. Tess was fantastic. Tommy was absolutely wonderful, even though he was only in for like six minutes. And that's like my only thing. But as far as what you said, EJ, like a plus cheating and getting an a plus, like that is exactly sort of what I was thinking. And like you're talking, both of you talking about, trying to make an adaptation and like how do you capture what people like about the game and with the last of us it is cutscenes. it is the story it is the people that you care about and you don't really get a lot of that until the very end of the original last of us as far as having a moment where it feels like you have the agency and it feels like you're making the choice even though you don't actually make any choice like there is only one ending to that game so it is really easy to have these characters and this like storytelling match up to the, the template because the template is a TV show that you get to play. So it makes sense. And then just thinking about like Mortal Kombat, I think Mortal Kombat is funny because the games were sort of copying the sort of pastiche uh, elements of a tournament movie, like a Kung Fu movie. It's, it's cheesy over the top Kung Fu action. So for the movie, the old like nineties movie to do that as well makes a ton of sense. And that's why people look back on that movie and be like, yeah, that captures the essence of Mortal Kombat because it is exactly what Mortal Kombat was trying to be in the first place. And you see failures with like resident evil, which don't capture the essence of the game and instead turn it into like whatever they turned it into, but it was still (laughs) successful as a movie and as a series critically, not so, but like commercially. Yes. Like I think that and like the old Tomb Raider movies with, uh, with what's her butt like Angelina like, Jolie yeah. yeah Angelina Jolie <laughs> like those are some of the more like well known and commercially successful video game movies and I don't know I think TV shows makes the most sense for a long form medium like video games uh, I think we have such a long history of I think the history of cinema is adopting from other 
forms of media. Like it's a, it's screens, it's screenplays. Like it's literally plays put to movies. It's books put to movies. So I, it's taken a while. It's taken like 30 years of video games being like what they are to get to this point. But since video games have kind of moved towards being more like TV shows that you play, it makes sense that a TV show from a video game would be like a natural fit. Like the God of War TV show is probably going to be absolutely wonderful as long as they have a good CG budget. But like, just think about it. Like that's already been announced. It's going to be great, right? I've thought about this. I think because God of War is a little more fantastical, like you said, they have the right CG budget. Maybe the clickers but, look great in that last episode of last of us. Oh, they look. Yeah. Oh, we'll get there. Oh, we'll get there. We will. <laughs> yeah. Um, God of war. God of war is going to be terrific for sure. Um, this is like, not to like epically take us on a tangent there. I'm not a big fan of the cast, the motion capture actor in the role when you do the adaptation, because to be totally honest from like a theatrical standpoint, I don't have a fucking clue if you're good enough to carry this show. And I certainly don't know if you have the name recognition, you have to cast Chris judges Kratos. Like that dude is the dude. I would rule. He is ready for it. He is big. He is stacked. He's got the fucking voice down. I I will actually be pretty pretty pissed off to the point of unless you have someone I'm not actively considering because I'm so focused on Chris Judge that is a fucking ringer that I would not have have pulled out of a hat. I don't even know if I'll watch the show if they don't cast him. Casting Joel and Ellie is like not even in the same conversation as far as the difficulty casting as as Kratos is. Like casting Joel and Ellie, you could do that a hundred times over and get it right probably ninety times. Right, Ca- casting Kratos is such a different beast. I don't. First of all, I, I think that boy, I couldn't agree with you less on like the relative difficulty of casting those two roles. Like, I, I think that because of how much more nuanced and human, no pun intended, the performances in The Last of Us are that they really had to get it right. And to be totally honest with you, when they announced that they had cast Pedro Pascal, I didn't think they got it right. I was like, this is a fucking mistake. Like I did not see it at all, especially after Wonder Woman 1984. Right. And it's like, oh, we're doing the Mandalorian with mushrooms now. Like I, he literally had just come off of like two seasons of that show. And I'll out myself right now that I don't watch Game of Thrones. I've never watched Game of Thrones. I'm never going to watch Game of Thrones. And so I don't know his work on that show. He was fine in Game of Thrones. It was not pivotal. I was told Bella Ramsey was a ringer when she got cast. And I think that that has borne out already for me in two episodes outside of like the first part of the first episode where the really aggressive, like fuck yous are flying. Like every couple lines is like, ah, you're trying really hard for this. But now like the quippy slip, the one liners in that's so true to like Ellie early in the game, like feels really right to me. And I also, I, I don't know. It's, it fits, it fits for me. It makes sense for me. Like I, I appreciate a lot of what Pedro Pascal brings to the to the role. There are a lot of moments that are not in the game, and of course, most of what you see in the game is is captured on set. It's performance capture. There's there's very little, at least if you can take everything at face value that you hear behind the scenes from from guys like Neil Druckmann or any of the actors. You know, right now they're doing a behind the scenes podcast for this show, and there's a lot of good insight. Uh, both for the show and for the game in that process. But but what you see in a video game motion captured is generally what the actor's giving you. And so you can, when you watch Pedro Pascal do things, you think that wasn't in the game. You know, Pedro Pascal is bringing something that they didn't 
think to bring. And that's not necessarily to compare the two, but it's just that any good actor is going to bring a little bit of their own flavor to a role. And like, there's this moment in the last episode, Joel is realizing that Tess is infected and she says as much and she takes a step towards him and he, he flinches in response, right? It's fear. It's self-preservation. Also in that moment, coming to grips with the fact that this person that he has come to love and has lived with and made this life of hell with, like he has, he's saying goodbye to that in that moment. He's realizing like, fuck. And it, just in that little movement right there, it was just like, that's fucking good. It's a great moment. It's a fantastic moment. That and then just the the beat, the timing of that realization happening, letting it sit, letting it simmer, and then him just grabbing Ellie's hand and being like, okay, well, we got to go. There like was this. no goodbye. There is, ugh. I, I, I do want to make a note. I, I, we are going to disagree on the casting because I think I like Pedro Pascal, but he kind of, he's a little one note for me, which works for like the sort of reserved, you know, a, a more meek character. There's some some power under the surface there, but he's always right here. He's just kind of simmering. And so I'm like, yeah, Pedro Pascal kind of plays Pedro Pascal in everything I've seen him in. Yeah, okay. But that's Joel, so it works for me. Bella Ramsey, I'm like, you know, there are moments where she kind of makes me chuckle, and there are moments where I really am like, ah, that's not it for me. And to me, it just seems like, oh, this is a really young actor who has not done a lot. And you know, and she's capitalized on her Game of Thrones success and, and it's work, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's working, but I like, I would not in a million years, like probably ever choose her through two episodes. Anyway, we'll see how it shapes up. It's like right. serviceable. It's she's doing the story justice. I'm not necessarily, I, I don't necessarily think she's doing the character justice. Yeah, you know, but but we haven't seen a lot yet, so it's hard to yeah. really judge that. Yeah, Ellie through the first chunk of the game is I don't trust you and I'm funny. So like I'm laughing at like everything she said the last episode, like constantly like that was scary. This is a piece of wood. Like I'm on the couch like <laughs> like making those little like one-off chuckles of like nice, that was good. Like that was well delivered. That's like her whole function so far as far as we've come yeah, And in you game. do you do need that because you can't just have 60 minutes of tension obviously you can't have that for a video game or a tv show i think it's been a little bit it's fallen a little flat for me like her her quipping and stuff but it's, it hasn't been like downright bad i haven't disliked it which i think is still a high watermark for uh for this adaptation it's tough to not want to compare performances there's a part of us who who care for those characters that we've we've played these two games and the performances from the original actors are awesome, you know? So it's so it is tough to not subconsciously or or even let that kind of creep into your head while you're watching, like not comparing like, oh, who did that thing better, but just like you're always aware of that other per person's performance. And at least I am. And so it's it can be a little distracting. But but there are the, there are those moments where you just get lost in what's happening and you forget you're watching, like you forget that you know what's about to happen every scene, you know. And so far, it's been a very faithful two episodes. They've added some awesome stuff, which we'll I'm sure we'll get to. But so far, beat for beat, I mean, we know what's right around the corner, and but it's still like oh my god, edge of my seat. Like keep in mind, like I I haven't played this game in ten years. Like I I I bought it. I bought the first game at launch 
because it was, I, it just, the, the hype was building. The hype wave was overwhelming at that point. And I got the last copy at the GameStop in McMinnville and I fucking devoured it and was like, what is this? Like I hadn't been so taken by a new IP in like ever, honestly, maybe. Um, so I don't really remember a lot of the first game. I remember the way it made me feel. I remember the atmosphere. I remember how tense it was. I remember the big plot beats. Um, like I remembered even like during this episode, like I remembered that, that Tess died, but I, I did not remember at all how she died. Um, and that it was as similar as it was in the show minus the like off screen, unseen firefight portion as compared to what they did, which, you know, we'll talk about. Um, and so for that, as far as I'm concerned, like I, I, it's checked at the door for me, like the, the, the character performances, like I, I'm not sitting there and, and holding it up and looking at it and going, okay, what are they doing? You know, what did, uh, uh, Ashley Johnson, is that her name? Ashley, Ashley, uh, what, what, what did she do, uh, with the role? I don't remember. I remember what she does in part two, but even when the second season of the show comes out, whether that is next year or 2025, it's going to be as long as like half a decade since I played that game. So like, even then, I'm not even going to have that brick of frame of reference. And I don't want to do that to myself. Like I want to take what you're giving me in the moment. Are you, are you telling me a lie? Are you, are you trying to force this or are you just doing the thing as it's written down? And she's doing the thing for me right now. So far, Bella Ramsey, she, she's doing what, what she's been, what, what's been put in front of her so far. I have a much fresher relationship with those games. So so yeah, maybe maybe that is just my problem. At least, you know, none of us are sitting here like we saw in that Kotaku article today crying about how there was no, you know, stealth missions um and and bomb crafting. Not yet. You know there's going to be like a montage where like they get they get in a, a sticky wicket and they've got to do some some impromptu sort of <laughs> IED shit. There will be a homemade. Probably explosive. the next episode. Honestly, there's yeah. gonna be next episode. There's gonna be a moment where he like grabs a rusty ass pair of scissors and like electrical tapes it to a stick and shivs a clicker with it. Like it's gonna happen, but it's gonna be quick. And I think that this like and it'll be earned. It will be earned. Episodes. It will be earned, and it speaks to like this whole like is some of the like smooth brained takes on the internet where it's like this like on Kotaku specifically, which. I told you guys in chat, but like I'm fucking done with this website after the coverage of this show. I'm like, we've literally waited our entire lives for a video game property to be adapted and to be really fucking good. Not to be serviceable like Sonic and Sonic 2 and Detective Pikachu, but be really fucking good. And you guys are seriously like, oh, it'd be great if it was more like the game in terms of having to like craft shit. I'm like, what the fuck? fuck are you talking about like <laughs> yeah i really miss the part of the show where joel moves a trash can so that he can climb up to the ladder no but that is literally <laughs> in the first paragraph and 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 ej you said the same thing you were like is this is this parody i was like i don't know until i got halfway through and went, oh my god this is a it's real not satire take. it's legit. this is a real real fucking take and a real article they have captured what that feels like and that is so much more important to me like the clicker section in the second episode. Ooh. That is what a clicker encounter feels like in The Last of Us, where you are desperately trying not to fuck up. You are desperately trying to move quietly. You are desperately trying and you screw it up 
and it goes sideways and you're putting your, you're, you're dumping lead into these things and they're not dropping. And then the reloading of the gun, I was like, this is a beautiful nod to what that game felt like where you're like, everything takes a long time because it really would take a long time to craft a shiv, to make a bomb, to reload a pistol when an echolocation split headed fungus monster is trying to cut you to pieces and like sliding all of the shells out, trying to be quiet, knowing those things are fucking hot because they just got emptied and having to be quiet, slide them in the pocket, reload the other ones. I want, this is it. This is what it felt like. And that, that to me is, is the biggest reason of why it's been so successful so far in spite of like really good performances, incredible world design that's like true to the games while deviating, which we should probably talk about the spores thing. I'm going to beat this horse, but like adapting anything, adapting a book into a movie, you're not adapting a thousand page book into a thousand page script. And that's where adaptations go wrong is they, like I said earlier, they compromise because they're trying to be the video game and the TV show. You can't do that. This has to be a hundred percent balls to the wall, a, a TV show. And to be fair, there are a lot more exquisitely crafted television shows than there are video games. And so like what you're describing at that moment in that whole scene where they're trying to get through the library, like there's nothing about that. I haven't necessarily seen before. I think it's more of a testament to like the game, how they're able to communicate those things in like such a concise package and something that feels cinematic. And I don't literally mean the cutscenes, but like, but you know what I mean? And and that's part two was like really good at this. So it's more a testament to like how well that game was developed uh, for, for what it was at the time. This show is not making those compromises. It is saying, who are these characters at their core? What is the story at, at its core? And the story at its core, as we know, it's, it's this father daughter story. It's about love and how scary love can be. As we know from the last of us ending and it, and that's what the whole that's what every episode of the show is really going to be about is like seeing people make decisions based on their emotions when the only choices in front of you are shitty. That's all that matters. And they already lampshaded it with Ellie talking about not knowing how to swim. Right? There's going to be probably a payoff to that, but it won't be a fucking gameplay defining feature throughout your 16 hour adventure. Right. right. And I love the fact that I, I literally was like, I, I recoiled a tiny bit when she's like, I can't swim. I went, Oh my God, he's going to go get the wood pallet. And then Pedro just is like, no, this is th- this yeah, two feet like, of water. We're going to see the wood pallet in episode two. And they were like, Nope, they knew we were going to think that. And they, they were like, uh, uh-uh, that's not what we're doing here. That's not what we're doing here. That's a character building moment of fucking idiot. Like you didn't even see how deep it was to help right. establish relationship. And EJ, I have to I have to push back a little bit. Earlier you were saying that you weren't really feeling Pedro Pascal's performance. And not that I'm like in love with his performance so far, but I think of the two main characters, he's had so much more as far as what you mentioned as the the primary thesis of the series and the video game being about love and how scary that is. The scene with him and the guard outside after they had just escaped, like that immediately like gives you something to root for for joel like i so far i haven't like felt that so far but that moment was like a really good you know redeeming moment it's a moment that you want joel to kick this guy's ass because he is protecting 
the now surrogate daughter figure that you project because you saw him lose his his biological daughter and you don't need them to get along with each other yet because you are shipping them as a father daughter sort of pair and so far it's been a little bit weak as far as Ellie's character because she does not have a character yet. She is just a wisecracking teenager. She doesn't have a She's cargo goal. She's cargo. She she is not even a person. She like she doesn't have like who is she? What does she want? Right. You don't know that yet. So that's why it's the first two episodes have been weak for that character so far. And they've seeded the garden really well in terms of incorporating the DLC from the first game. That like it's yeah. clear that the mall yep. she's referencing is a DLC that she was there with someone else. The reference to like no family, no boyfriend. She's like, I'm an orphan. And no, no. <laughs> that I was sort of like, yeah, they're doing a great job. The garden has been seeded for sure. And Pedro absolutely killed the first half of that first episode. Like that for me was gonna not like make or break the series by any means, but make or break like my estimation of like, are you up to this role? And he fucking crushed it, like everything about that first scene. And again, like they're literally doing the prologue of the game, which is largely cinematic and they lead you through. But holy shit, like he went there. He he went there in a believable and gut wrenching way. And that is the buy in to Joel. He sold the character of a dad who's not the greatest, but is trying. And that is his greatest regret is that he wasn't better. And like that is his character. Like that is who he is for the rest of the the game and the the TV show probably is looking for redemption. Right. That's that's just a well-written character. But basically in between the like the two big emotional moments like he's just the Mandalorian. He just voice effect Joel. That's not his fault though. Like No, I, I know it's Joel's character. Anyway, I don't yeah, I don't want to get into the comparison between the two actors because that's that's only going to serve to hurt my experience with the show. Really quick, I just want to say that I like that they are playing it as a very like not southern twang Joel. Like I think Troy Baker's sort of southern voice is kind of cartoony and cringe, and I think it would not last in a full blown HBO show. Sure. Not at all. And Pedro was literally raised in Texas. Like he he grew up there. He knows what a Texas accent sounds like. He's doing a terrific job with it. Right. Let's talk about some of not only the changes, because there have been a few changes, like you brought up the spores, Chris, but there's also been obviously two massive openers that have ex- expanded on super tight on, on things that we've seen and things that we have not seen, but that add to the world or like red, like newspaper kind of clipping stuff, like very, very, you know, non-important sort of side stuff. You know, Nick, you said about how that was originally supposed to be episodes one and two, and it was pretty late in the game that they decided to combine everything after I think, I think it's when Joel dumps the little boy's body in the fire. Yep. Was that going to be at the end of episode one? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if it was going to be, if it would just cut to the QZ and that would be, you know, next time on The Last of Us or yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Like tempo wise, you know, pacing. I think combining those what was two episodes into one was a good choice because, well, a like we had to have Joel meet Ellie. Those are the characters, right? That's who the show is about. And and everything with Sarah at the beginning of the of the show is only there to to basically set Joel's character up and inform the relationship with Ellie that we're going to see 
a few episodes from now develop. So like the, even the idea that even a few months before they wrapped post-production that this was still split episodes. I mean, yeah, whoever made that call, that was great. I, I, I cannot imagine, especially for a, a new viewer to be like, okay, we spent all this time with this character. Now she's dead. And then you like end on Joel, like just fucking no emotion, just tossing a, a kid's body into the fire. And you're just kind of like broken man. Like, why do I want to watch the next episode of this fucking show? And that, that was exactly the studio's rationale is that they're like, I don't think we want to leave people on this note, which I think is smart. I think more significantly what came out as a side result is exactly what you said, EJ, that we get to the core of the show at the end of the first episode. And for a 12 episode show, you need to get to the fucking point. You need to get to the point. And I think the proof is in the pudding. Like I sent you all this, this in chat, but the episode one to episode two boost in viewers it was a 22 percent increase from episode one to episode two which is the biggest in the history of hbo and now this is why companies are no longer doing the binge format they're back to the weekly schedule even if it's direct to stream because the interest that gets generated by the recap culture the blogs the youtubes the tiktoks yes that is what they want to see it's a whole cycle there's like four dedicated like major podcasts that are doing a weekly last of us episode now. Yeah. FOMO baby. The guys at the ringer are doing it every single week. I love the watch. Like those fucking guys at the the console crusade. They're doing it now. You know, it's just hackneyed bastards. It's a whole thing. Um, but you're, you're exactly right. And, and like I said, the, the fricking, the fricking proof is in the pudding. And I felt this way after Andor too, which I have to just like briefly mention here in terms of like the year that we're having right now in not only getting what is undoubtedly going to be the best adaptation of a video game to the screen in any capacity of all time. But we also just got like the, maybe the best star Wars property ever that like no one thought was going to be good. And also utilize the weekly format in a way that, I don't think I'd necessarily seen before with these like three episode arcs of shows that you'd come in and you would know that we were heading for something. And then when you got into something, you would know, Oh, we're going to be moving into like the middle installment of this on the way to setting up the climactic finish. And literally they just got better every single time. So like what a time to be alive for fucking nerds. I can't believe every single time I got to the end of an episode of Andor, I would be like in tears almost just going, I I can't believe this is finally happening. Like an adult star Wars show. And The Last of Us has already been the same. We're just like, I, I can't I can't believe this is finally happening. Like, I've waited for this for so long. As far as quality of storytelling, the way the show is paced, Andor is without a doubt the best Star Wars thing that's ever existed, period. I, I mean, as a Star Wars property, like, there are better things because Star Wars is such an interesting thing. But same goes for this. This is, we're only two episodes in. I would be shocked if they did anything to to, to derail itself. Like, this will be you know, the greatest adaptation of, of a video game. But, but, but even beyond that, like that's not even saying that much, but like, this is probably going to be one of the best adaptations of anything period. And it's going to be maybe the best show that's on television this year, period. And like all of those things being true about the same thing at the same time that happens to be a video game turned HBO limited series. Like, I can't believe it's it. cool to be this confident in a, in a TV show this early. It's sometimes TV shows take a little bit to be like, yeah, this is going to be worth watching. And I think 
something in common with all the greatest TV shows is that it's immediately enthralling. Like from the first episode, from the first 10 minutes, like it has to have that. And I think something that was really an interesting choice, EJ, you mentioned this earlier, but the intro being a like period piece talk show sort of segment, totally like irrelevant to the story as far as like the characters, but just setting up like this sort of science fiction alternate history of the fungus and just like them hammering home like, no, there is no cure. This is not something that we can science our way out of. Like if this happens, then we're fucked. And they did the same thing with the opening of the second episode where it's like different, a different country. Uh, was it Argentina or was it? No, Indo- it was Indonesia. It was Indonesia. Yeah, it was Jakarta. And they're like, that was just such a nice little miniature vignette of a, of a realization of the, the seriousness and the impact that this, uh, you know, what is just a zombie story. And, turning it more personal and like reflecting on governments and how they react to things that it, it reminds me because I am also a turbo nerd of uh, Shin Godzilla and it's commentary yeah. on, on government reactions to natural disasters. Like it was, it was fully a, Hey, what is the, the red, the red tape and how do governments respond to crises and how does that trickle down and affect you and me? And obviously everyone had a, a firsthand reaction to what government's decisions end up reacting and how that worked out two years ago when the pandemic started. But I think it's a, it's easy to sort of fall on the last of us's uh, fungal outbreak as a COVID stand in, but I don't think they've really sort of hammered that yet. I haven't, I haven't felt that it's mostly just been like, check it out. The government sucks and the army are bastards because they killed Joel's daughter. Right. So so the first episode opens up. It's like the 1960s. And it's this, what do they have? They have two guys on. Is one of them an epidemiologist? There's a mycologist. Yeah, an epidemiologist and a mycologist. Yeah. And and they talk about the idea of a pandemic. And, 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 the, and the one guy says, you know, I'm way more worried about fungus, you know. And he lists all these different types of fungus. And he says, you know, uh, right now, yeah, the, the a human body uh, is not a climate that a you know fungus can can live in uh, on that level but like you know give give the fungus a reason to evolve uh say the earth gets a few degrees warmer you know and that's what was always so cool about the last of us was they were very intentional to always make it feel like this was rooted in reality it wasn't just another zombie flick with some like brush to the side explanation for why this is happening they they went out of their way to make it feel as grounded as possible and not just like what you get on the surface in the cutscenes in like the, the narrative, but like everything you discover, the, you know, the audio logs and the notes and the show is just taking that to the next level. And obviously, like you said, Nick, there's a little bit of, you know, they could have been a lot more ham fisted with the like wink, wink, like pandemic. Don't you get it? Because of the last three years of bullshit that the world has gone through. But but they showed the tiniest modicum of restraint. And for that, I applaud. Yes, them. <laughs> it's just enough. Just enough. <laughs> and let's talk about it, because this is like the biggest to me change that they've made. And that is how does this thing spread? I think that it is no accident that they moved it away from like airborne spores as it was in the game that requires frequent wearing of face masks. Yeah. yeah. Uh like, there's no fucking way that show was going to get made, even on HBO, 
because they knew it was going to piss too many people. Oh, off. I disagree. I don't think I don't think there was I don't think there was any social reason why they didn't do. I think. Oh, I want to live in the world that you live in mentally because I think that's a generous take. I think I think it's crystal fucking clear to me that that's why they switched it up because it basically like, this whole like you have it has to be like distributed orally basically thing it doesn't make a goddamn lick of sense to me to how like fungus and spores work and i get that like you know craig craig mazin was talking about the creator the series the showrunner was talking about like oh well that would mean it would just be everywhere and not in like only isolated areas i'm like well kind of but like it's a big fucking world and it's not going to be just literally in the air everywhere. Like it made sense of the game. To COVID me. would disagree. <laughs> but a, a, a fungal spore is not an airborne virus. Like they are very different. They function the same. It feels like that's why they did it. But in either case, but in any case, they, they, they moved away from that. They're not, it is not a spore. There will be no wearing of like gas masks as often we saw in the game when you're moving through like cramped locations with a lot of spores in the air. I agree with EJ that it's, it was probably more a pragmatic uh, answer to like, it's hard to act through a mask. That's the biggest one. But also logically, like that's like the one, one of the bigger suspension of disbelief you have to have is where they're like fine walking through this hotel and they're like, wait, spores, put your gas mask on. And it's like, okay, if this were real life and it were that loosey goosey, everybody would have it. I'm sure there will be exceptions where there will be a certain concentration of spores that will manage to get through like with a special infected because you know there's going to be they already they already alluded to that you know like it's obvious they they set the breadcrumbs when the clickers showed up even Lindsay was like oh they've already got a special infected because she's played left for dead but she hadn't played you know the last of us so it's like it's obvious that there's going to be archetypes and like different variations and evolutions of these forms of people you know joel even saying like yeah you know sometimes they last for a couple months sometimes they've been living for 20 plus years and i think it's really cool that they moved it away from the spores and these being like individual sort of beings. And it's more of a literal fungal network, the hive mind, the right. hive mind. And that, that was a really cool moment where it's like, Oh, I shot that guy. And there's this, like the tendrils. And like now everybody knows you've alerted the witch. It's so much scarier that way. When you see them all writhing and it's just like the wave formation back and forth as they're writhing on the ground when there's way up high looking, dude, that, is terrifying what a cool concept that's a great piece of adaptation where it's like okay so in the game they flock towards humans just if they happen to like hear them i guess or maybe smell them question mark it's never like super clear but because it's a video game is the real answer that's why they're flocking towards you because that creates challenge they created an in-world reason that makes a ton of sense that it's a fungal network they are a part of that fungal network if you step on a piece of the fungus that is still living and it's connected to a bunch of infected, they're going to come in that direction because it means food. It means hosts. Um, something that more intelligent people than I am uh, noticed in the first episode. In the second episode, we hear we get a reference to, oh, these people who are infected were working at a, a grain and flour factory. And mm-hmm. the... A perfect, perfect substrate. substrate, perfect substrate. Second episode framing, like I said, we're in Indonesia. A professor of mycology at the University of Jakarta is examining uh, a, a recently dead infected that still has like living tendrils that's still growing inside them. Really gross shit, like really gross, but very fascinating, like body horror shit. Um, in the first episode, we see a whole bunch of apparently again, I'm not smart enough to have noticed this. 
a whole bunch of instances of the main characters almost consuming flower-based products and not consuming them. So like Sarah's like, I'm so sorry. I was going to make you pancakes for your birthday, but she can't because she had to get the money to go fix the watch. And then there's extra biscuits left over at the neighbors, but they don't want to eat them because the neighbors are weird and they don't really like want that connection, but they kind of have to have it because it's the South and that's what you with your neighbors, but they don't eat them. And then cookies that the neighbor makes, which we see later from grandma are like clearly carrying like the fungus. They don't eat those either. They set them aside. And so it's like right there baked into the first episode in some like really impressively (laughs) subtle ways. baked in. Ah, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, (laughs) In impressively subtle ways and the way that we see it working on grandma who has dementia, I think is like perhaps the most like interesting and subtle piece of world building of all of them, because we know that in order for this thing to survive, it has to like operate a functional central nervous system to like pilot the flesh puppet, so to speak. Grandma's got dementia. And so it takes so She's long. She's a very weakened host. Exactly. It literally is repairing her brain. And when we see her like moving around in the chair, it's literally going like, oh, we've got some motor control again. I'm like, that's fucking crazy to me. Like, that's brilliant. There's something scary about a fuzzy grandma. Just an out of focus grandma who's twitching there, around. There's so much they could do to like take this show to 11, but they don't fucking need to. Like that moment right there, like you see the first time someone turns it is this grandma just subtly twitching and contorting in the chair and then going limp again. And it's out of focus. And some people probably didn't even notice that that was happening, you know? And instead of this flashy, horrifying... And then later when when Sarah goes into the house and instead of like seeing this horrific, you know, this zombie flying around and hearing these grotesque noises, it's the, it's the dog. and And we know what that dog is telling us. And we know don't go into that fucking house because we saw grandma earlier and Sarah goes into the house. Well, she sees the blood. Yeah. And she falls in. Yeah. She sees the guy and he's he's using his eyes to look and basically say, no. Get out. It's just everything is so subtle. I really do want to talk about how much they expanded on Sarah's role. And I mean, we, we alluded to it, but when I saw how de- deep they were going on that, I was kind of concerned. I was like, you guys can't be, you guys are pulling a fucking Bobby B on me. Oh, you don't know what that means because you haven't seen Game of Thrones. You guys are pulling a fucking Ned Stark on me. You get me all invested in this character just to kill him off right See, away. That I know. Because I read the first, because I read the first book. No, I, yeah, we should, we should absolutely talk about expansions of side characters. Because I think that that's, we talked about main characters to death. We've talked about like some of the, the major changes, notably the spores. But I think that we should, we should talk about Sarah. We should talk about Tess. Those are pretty much the only side characters so far. Marlene a little bit, who is played by the uh, performance capture actress. Isn't that great? And she is not, however, the only actor reprising their role for the show. Oh, really? That's cool. They hired the same people who voiced the clickers to play the to play the fucking clickers. And I thought that was chef's kiss. Uh, Since we're on the subject of the prologue, uh, they gave Sarah has a lot more going on in the first episode of this show than she did in the game. And I'm curious about like how that sat with y'all. I think it worked. They definitely needed to have Sarah be more of a character in order for her death to matter. Like it mattered more because in the game you actually physically control her for the majority of the proportion of that prologue. 
And it was only until she breaks her ankle that you start controlling Joel. So you have that natural sort of like, I'm not going to, you know, talk shit about the last of us and say it's only cutscenes with like gameplay sprinkled in. Like that's not actually what I feel. I think it does actually help a lot when you get to play as these characters. It's just, you know, different importance, but having you play as Sarah makes it a scarier experience because you're naturally, you're a young girl. So you're a more, you know, fragile being. And that gets you in the moment of the outbreak, outbreak day, actually, you know, being scary and you being invested and caring about the outcome of this person's life. But in a TV show, you have to give it a little bit more time. You have to make this character likable. And I think they accomplished that by having extended scenes, like actually showing her going to the shop and getting the watch repaired and having that sort of not only tying into her character and her like being a good daughter and caring about her dad, but also having that moment of like things are getting out of control. People are starting to panic and you get that perspective of like a teenager or a young girl who does not really see that and like worry. It's just like, Oh, things are going on. You hear police sirens. Things are weird, but it's not like scary yet. But as a watcher, you're like, no, things are getting weird. You need to get out of there. Like alarm bells are going off in your head, seeing someone not react to alarm bells going off around them. This is just a hallmark of good filmmaking. And, and it's something that they did really well here to like, yeah, anyone who plays the game, you're watching this and you're like, well, none of this happened. And maybe that turns some people off. And you also have to think of it from the perspective of someone who's never seen this before. But it, none of it really matters if you're just doing it well, right? And so good filmmaking is layers. Like you said, on the surface, it's we're getting to know this character. She's doing this thing. But you're getting the subtext of like everything going on around that, that the characters aren't necessarily noticing. But we know where this show is going. We are getting to know a character. Of course, we know she's going to die. But it's important to get to know her. Even though she really is, her character is just a tool to set up Joel's character, like I said earlier, it, it's a ladder. If you don't care about her and you don't care when she dies and you don't care what she meant to Joel, which means everything else we're going to see with Joel and Ellie, you don't give a shit about. So in these few scenes, we're world building, we're setting up the immediate conflict and you're setting up this character and it's doing all of those things well simultaneously. You know, I'm doing Trump hands right now. So many shows and movies don't understand that. And it's like you get jerked around between like, well, now this scene is doing this thing and this scene is doing this. A good filmmaker makes all of his scenes do all the things they need to do. There's no wasted real estate. There's no wasted screen time. And I know there's a lot of angry incels on the internet, you know, Neil Cuckman and all this. And obviously he can like direct people and he can direct media in a cinematic way, like he's he's got two extremely successful games that, that prove that. He did this episode, but just having him co-producing with a team of people and, and another producer who like does TV, you know, that's how you know, A, the adaptation's like never going to not be faithful because this is Neil Druckmann's baby. So you know that with his level of involvement, like he's not going to betray his own, which that's a controversial thing to say. Neil Druckmann won't betray his art. But, you know, apparently killing Joel in The Last of Us 2, spoiler alert, was betraying his art. I think that's a fucking ridiculous take. But I don't think it's impossible to be skeptical, like, or to say it's it's not unfounded to be skeptical of even Neil Druckmann being involved because George R.R. R. Martin was also involved with a lot of the Game of Thrones TV show. And that still ended up going off the rails. And not even in the final season, not in the final two seasons, but it was like 
a pretty steady decline into mediocrity. And that takes time, obviously. And like, I'm not saying that it's going to be, you know, two good, two episodes and like seven bad ones. Like, I don't think that's going to happen here, but it's understandable to an extent to be like, okay, but show me, like, don't just talk it up. Don't say, oh yeah, anything that we did in the show that wasn't in the game is additive because it's stuff that we wanted to do, but we just couldn't because it was a game made in 2013. Like talk is cheap. Show me. And I think they've shown, they have shown, I think they've shown that they're actually, they're doing, they're doing it right. It would be really easy to sit here without any episodes having been released and like make our predictions based on. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to understand like Neil Druckmann is not consulting from his bungalow in Massachusetts or whatever and ghostwriting an episode once a season. You know what I mean? Like George R. R. Martin's involvement in Game of Thrones is much less than what we're seeing here with Neil Druckmann. But I, I get your point. I do. But it's just understanding what those roles are. And and that's not to say like you it could be the opposite. You could have too much control. Like you could go George Lucas with it. George Lucas loves Star yeah. Wars. It didn't help him make anything good after 1980. Or 83 if you're a millennial, but whatever. <laughs> Ewoks! Absolutely, 100%. Uh, the fact that he he's a co-producer on this is not insignificant, uh, but, but it's that co-piece that I think is so critical. And the fact that... So when they when they said, okay, Craig, Craig Mazin, Craig Mazin is going to be the co-showrunner, it's going to be all the Chernobyl people. I was like, okay, here's another show that I probably should have watched, and I didn't because I don't ever watch anything on time because that's how I do except for films of late. But when television never ever on time, TV's so time consuming it, it is. And I just like, frankly, haven't had time for that. It's either like I, I either like stop going to the gym, which at this point is going to happen, or I stop playing video games, which isn't going to happen. And so it's just a balancing act. I have to be, I have to be pretty fucking selective. There's just only so many hours in a day. And I like to spend a lot of them with, with my spouse, not being in the house in front of the television. It is what it is. Uh, so I went back and I watched the first episode of Chernobyl. I was like, I want to know the kind of hands that I'm in. And I was like, this is going to be it. This is going to be it. And to my shame, I have not finished the show. I watched the first episode. I was enraptured. I was also in graduate school. So the first episode came. And I went, that's amazing. And I never watched another one. Um, but the way that they unspool information while simultaneously like putting you in the middle of the shit. That is The Last of Us, where you only have a little bit to kind of move you from A to B. A whole bunch of shit is going on in the meanwhile. It's uh, claustrophobic. It's atmospheric. It's you feel you feel trapped, like watching the guys like crawl around the reactor while it's going tits up in the first episode of the show. It's like this. This is it. This is what it feels like to play The Last of Us. I think that if Druckmann had, and I don't know why anyone would have bankrolled this, but if he had been like the solo producer, like if he had been the showrunner, I think it would have been a worse show Probably because he's too close to it because he's too close to it. And it's the same reason why I feel like directors shouldn't get to make their own memory films, which is like a weirdly specific tangent, but like, uh, Oh, was got Belfast last year. Total fucking snooze fest. Because Kenneth Branagh is too close to the source material. The Fablemans this year, horrid movie. Absolutely the most average film I've ever seen. And it's got a million Oscar nominations because it's fucking Steven Spielberg. It is the definition of mid-cinema because he's too close to it. There's no plot. There's no story. It meanders. The performances from its lead characters are are not good. 
they're they're creating facsimiles of these people. That is what would have happened if Neil Druckmann had produced The Last of Us by himself. Honest to God. Likely, yeah. So getting this outside eyes who have done like a calamitous kind of like post-apocalyptic nostalgia thing in Chernobyl. I don't even know how to define it. It's such like a weirdly specific product. I was like, these are the guys. And that is the influence that is keeping this on track while allowing Neil to be like, I know what the heart of this story is. I know what this world is, but you can help me make this in a way that will be truer to television without my own like horse blinders interfering. Chernobyl wasn't like totally for me. I actually can't remember if we finished it. That was a couple of years ago. That was a that was the summer I got my TBI. So I um yeah, rough summer. Don't don't remember a lot of that summer, but that was 2019, right? That was the year the Raptors won the championship. That summer, that was when Chernobyl was out, right? I think it was 2020. I don't remember. It's one I wanna of those say, two. I want to say it was like early, it was like late 2019, early 2020, because I remember people watching it or like not watching it because the pandemic was starting and being like, okay, this is like too fucking stressful to be dealing with right, right now. Yeah, May, May 2019. Okay, yeah. So it was like play NBA oh, playoffs. Really? Okay. Anyway, weird time. So I don't remember if we even finished it, but but the thing like you you brought up, Chris, like there is a lot less content to pull from when you're looking at how do we make the nuclear power plant melting down? Like, how do we make that? And obviously it was like the trial. Like, there was a lot more to it than just like the disaster. How do you turn that into several episodes of compelling television? Like thing goes boom, everybody dies or gets like fucked up and they did and it won a bajillion Emmys. it was like the hit of that year so it's in a way it's like kind of the perfect guy and the perfect team to like extract the nuggets of gold from a a video game and expand on that in like a meaningful way that's as good a track record as you could probably have in like modern television of like building something compelling with not a lot of source material but but that's also two shows to me it's like the disaster and then the trial it's like two th- separate things but but the way they did it you know yeah it's compelling and anytime you can take something like that and make it like appeal to normies that's a tough thing to do so craig mason writer for the hangover trilogy now showrunner of chernobyl now showrunner of the last of us adaptation what a weird trajectory that is side tangent before i forget it i think Neil Druckmann working with someone who did Chernobyl and now they're both doing The Last of Us is going to make The Last of Us 3 a pretty good game. Oh, absolutely. You're nuts if you think that's not going to rub off. Like, it absolutely is going to be influencing him. And I'll bet you a dollar to a dozen donuts right now because we know part three is in development. It got like weirdly no press when he announced it. I don't even remember like the event in which he announced it was like, hey, we're working on it. Um, surprise to no one. Uh, I, I think they're going to release season three of this show day and date with part three of the game. Really? That's crazy. That's an insane take. That's insane prediction. There's no, there's no way. I think they will. There's no way. I think the season will end when the third game is going to be like coming out soon. I mean, season two is coming out in like a year. Or two years no, season, at most. Season, season two would probably be 25, and then season three would probably be 26. And you think part three is not going to be done in two years? The game or the yes, show? Yes, the game. Because they could be writing the, the, the treatment in real time while they're working on the game. I think the I think the game will come out in 25 or 26. 26, 26 probably the earliest. 
because part two came out in 2020 so like six years with like a little side Seven project years. uh multiplayer yeah. game and that's a long time Feels right a long fucking time to wait for the third to the third season of television i just i just i got i got a feeling that they're gonna be like y'all can get the game get ahead of the pilot maybe like a month in advance i don't know i i, I think it's gonna be close i think that it's gonna be close yeah they'll, t- they'll try to time it out but it's gonna be wiggle room and games get delayed in the final hour all the time the game will have to come for there's just no incentive to to release them simultaneously or even close to simultaneously it, it can only serve to hurt the other property whether from a perception standpoint or just a sheer numbers game but it's like a foregone conclusion that they're going to do a third last of us game and there's there's going to be two more seasons of the last of us tv show that follows the events of part two they said they're doing nothing's been greenlit yet 12 episodes well okay but like they the craig has talked about we're doing the fucking sec he's like we're doing two 12 episode seasons like it's fucking gonna happen And I love that. I that's another like the Chernobyl thing of his influence is that this could really easily have been like, let's make like six seasons out of these two games. And they probably could have. It would be worse, but they probably could have. And they're making no bones about the fact they're like, nope, we're telling this concisely. We are not milking this. We are not beating this dead horse. We're getting in. We're getting out. Yeah. And that's just a like an understanding of like, again, good filmmakers like. They see the story content of the game and they say, oh, that's about 10 hours. Like, yeah, we could stretch that to 12 hours. Stretching it to 24 hours, insanity. Or stretching it to 16 hours and doing two eight episodes, that's insane. And they they just, as being a good filmmaker, you know that. You don't even need to, like, inspect it very thoroughly to know that. And lesser TV shows have done so to, to, to great success with, like, The Walking Dead. Like, you can easily, indefinitely extend a TV show as long as people are still watching a numbers game people were still watching that show it hasn't been good in seven years people are still watching have you have you looked at the numbers they canceled it for a reason I mean they ended it eventually because yeah exactly they were barely pulling three million viewers they literally lost like half their viewership in the second season when they killed Glenn like literally half whoa whoa spoilers that, that show oh shut the fuck up that show's been on life support for years i agree and i'm just saying that there there was still a there's still a market that wants a big budget feeling zombie show which i think the last of us fills that niche to a mainstream audience and then to the you know a hundred thousand people that cross over from the the tv show from the game like it's a rousing success oh sales of the game have gone up like 400% in the last two weeks yeah but that means nothing without knowing how much it was selling before the show came out like that doesn't matter to me. Show me, uh, show me on NPD next month where where it ranks, and that will actually yeah. impress me. Look, the fact the fact that it has boosted sales like four and a half times over, which was inevitable. We saw that with Cyberpunk. We saw that with uh, The Witcher. I mean, we knew that was going to happen. That was a foregone conclusion. If it didn't happen, that'd be news. This game is ten years old with a remake that came out last <laughs> Six year. Six months. Which, ago. for the record, my my buddy just had his first Last of Us experience. He wanted to finish it before the show started coming out. And he played the the PlayStation Five the the remastered version and has like gone and gone back and looked at yeah part one has gone back and looked at like the comparison videos and like it's shocking if for no other reason that like the degree the gr- the increase in the degree of like nuance in the motion captured performances of the people is fucking staggering to me uh, how much better it is now which makes me so fucking yeah. excited for part three it's great that they kept all that raw data so that they could improve it later. 
you know, maybe in two years we'll get a DLC skin pack for Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey to replace mods the- incoming, dude. Day one on Steam <laughs> in March, bro. Wow, um, wow, wow! Yeah, it's gonna happen. Probably. Do you think that they'll? Do you think this is an interesting question? Do you think that they will? Are they gonna like Harry Potter cover art? part three where they're going to start like looking more like those people. You know what I mean? Like Harry Potter on the cover of the deathly house is like clearly Daniel Radcliffe and he looks nothing like him in the first three books. Here's the thing. No matter how successful this show is at the end of the day, it is still a limited mini series. Well, I guess 12 episodes, not mini. It's a limited series on a direct to stream platform. This is, there's no box office. It can be the biggest show in the world a year from now it won't matter, right? In the public conscious, it's not Harry Potter. There are not 12 years of films being made. You know what I mean? But in the game is still the priority. At the end of the day, the game will have generated way more revenue than than the subscriptions HBO will get off this show will will have generated. Last of Us Part 3 is going to be more important than, than anything that has to do with this show. If anything, it's like the game comes out and then a year later, you get the uptick in sales again when the show comes out. Selling a quality video game is much more important to the people making money than the show being good for 12 episodes for 12 weeks. That being said, I, Chris, I said this to you the other day. I'm really excited to see this team do last of us part two, because it, it, as again, we've chronicled. Well, I thought last of Us part two was, was a much better game in almost every way than the, than part one, which you would expect after seven years. But but story wise, I just I really disagreed with how they told the story, and I didn't I didn't have a problem with Joel being killed. I didn't have a problem with like doing something to make us care about Abby and her friends, even though she killed this other guy that we really really love. I didn't have a problem with like it being a love story between Ellie and and her girlfriend. I can't remember what her name was. You know all these other problems people had because they're fucking stupid. I only had a problem with with a how. They wove all those narrative elements together. I think for me, it completely backfired in making me care about certain characters. So so if they go back and they tell that story, they are not going to tell it the same way. You know, they're going to tell it like a conventional television show. Yeah, they could easily, so easily just do an A-B storyline. And you can't do that in a video game where you're controlling two different characters. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I. You, you cannot tell me that you think that there's going to be a two-thirds of a season where it's following one character and then a third of a season whiplashing you into a character you don't give a shit about slash hate and then going into another season where you start the third and then so you're not going to do one season ellie one season abby you'd be like two thirds and then one third then one third two thirds because you go back to being ellie as the the final conclusion like the the post that's a that's a lot of thirds i don't know that adds that adds like two and a third to me so i don't get the, the well, fucking math there but i teach theater so two thirds one third one third two thirds uh <laughs> <laughs> that, yep, that's still two. Still don't get it. Um, as it pertains two, to like one full two season. seasons. Anyway, two seasons for st- part yeah, two. Yeah, they're not going to do two seasons for part two. Yes, they will. They are not. They have said they are not. Yeah, nope. They certainly will. They will do two seasons side of, bet. of part nice two. Side crazy bet. Crazy take. Side bet right now. That game is like fifty hours long. <laughs> How do you fit that into one season of TV? It's literally like you could do like an episode per day, have it be like an hour and 20 minutes and each of the episodes they would have to do a 24 episode season in order to fit that into one season of television. Not real time. Like each day is one hour of television because it's a three day arc, maybe an 18 episode season, but they're not. It's not going to be two seasons. They're not spreading it across two seasons. You're thinking like an artist right now. You're thinking like an artist. 
They will milk the fuck out of it. I'm thinking like what the literal showrunner said. Yeah, Neil Druckmann also said there would never be a Last of Us Part Two because Joel and Ellie's story was over. Not Neil Druckmann. You can't trust what an artist says. It's not up to him. It's not up to him. He's a Zionist anyway. Like the whole Last of Us Part Two is super fucking problematic in its Israeli-Palestinian connotations. Like we haven't even gone there. Like Neil Druckmann himself. Fuck him. Who fucking cares about him? That's above my. Like, I trust Craig. That's that's a. I trust Craig. Craig is not the one who's uh, greenlighting seasons two and three of the Last of Us TV show coming to you to, on HBO Max in this in the year 2025 and 2026. I, I'm just saying. I'm excited to see The Last of Us Part Two done justice because there there were serious flaws in in that narrative and the way it was structured and and I've I've made this joke before but it's true like yeah you're not gonna give me eight episodes where you see the entire story unfold Ellie wastes all of Abby's fucking friends and then they restart the show you know what I mean like they would that's that that is insane to even think about. In a TV show. And that's basically what the game did. And it, it, like whatever reasons they had, it didn't work for me or for a lot of other players. So just seeing that story told conventionally the way that it was conceived. I think, yeah, you could definitely grow a lot more attention and make people care about these opposing factions a lot easier if you do like an AB. Even if it was just episode to episode, like you do an episode that's just primarily Ellie, an episode that's primarily Abby. I think that would assuage a lot of the problems that EJ had sure. with it. And I don't think you fit that into one season of TV just based on the amount of content is in uh, the second game. And the first game, yeah, it's 10 hours of cutscenes, basically. Nine hours of cutscenes, and they're making a 12-hour movie, basically, out of it. Last was Part 2 has about twice as many cutscenes. There's a lot more content. So so maybe yeah, 18 episodes, Chris, I could like that would be I'd be happy. They would have to cut so much. Well, and I don't think Neil is too precious about would be too precious about that. And I think Sony would be happier with doing two more. Uh, two they more would. Yes, certainly HBO and, and Sony would be glad to do that. I don't see how you carry interest over like where are you going to split that if you're going to tell it conventionally as you're describing it, which I still disagree is the right way to go. How are you going to create tension in that going from one season to the other? Like, where do you where do you cut that off in the middle? There's no good point to do that. Like, the good, if you're going to break that into two seasons, you should absolutely do Abby season. Break it. I never want to hear Abby season ever again. No, no character seasons. <laughs> that is not how we're telling the story the second time around. We've done it once. Let's not do it again. And it fucking worked. Just because you didn't like it doesn't mean it didn't work. It fucking you worked. Are it was in a the great twist. Overwhelming minority. There's no twists because you see it. Oh, along with every critic who reviewed this game. Yeah, I'm in the minority. It was a fucking game of the year in 2020. Come uh, on. You're in the minority of saying that worked. Every review you read has the same criticisms of the game. And rightfully so. It didn't ruin the game. And still gives it like a mid-90s. Or a low 90s? Like, absolutely not. It could not have affected them to the degree it affected you. Skyrim got 10s out of 10s upon release, and it is quite literally, statistically, the most broken game maybe ever released. Like, just because it got a 9 That's out of 10. That's yeah, just because it got a 9 out of 10 does not mean there weren't criticisms of it, and that they were all pretty similar. Like, people had beef with that. Sorry, I should say real commentators had real beef with that game that had nothing to do with Joel's character or gay people, or Neil Cuckman. They had real criticisms of the game, and rightfully so. It didn't ruin the experience, and it helped that the game was much better than the first one. It's a, fu- it's a fantastic game. EJ, if 
we are just going based more on well less chronologically based on game time but more just like the events in which they happen and how that would translate into a tv show would the death of joel be a good season two ender if you were doing like abby here's here's abby this new character that we haven't seen before we're doing flashbacks to like establish her character we're getting the slow moments of ellie and joel at the the new camp that they're at like the city that they're living in you get her relationship building with her girlfriend and you have this like smooth translation into both these characters and how they're growing and how they obviously abby has this revenge story and you know it's for joel but you see her like does that work in that context having like an a b sort of solution to that joel's death is an episode three thing no matter how you split it it's just a matter of like again it needs to be an AB thing where we are seeing both factions simultaneously and interweaving their interactions. Because in the game, there was no mystery. You knew what was happening and who was who. Like, again, I make the joke, like, I literally go through and I waste all of these fucking people. I know their names. I know their faces. I fucking shoot them in the goddamn faces. And then immediately we switch over to their point of view. And I'm like playing as those characters. And like that just didn't hit for me the way they, they thought it would. But if you see eight episodes of A B and you're and you're you're tying in the sort of mystery of how how these people's stories are are interweaving, I don't know. There has there'll have to be changes to some degree. But but Joel being killed early on, like unless you just write a whole new show for fucking eight episodes, like it happens so early and it is the catalyst for all of the other games events. And even though there are flashbacks and there's more there's some contextualization for Joel and Ellie's relationship it really is just the revenge story and so without fundamentally changing a lot of what that game did I just don't see how they could do that but this show is a massive hit Pedro Pascal like I'm sorry but nothing I've seen out of Bella Ramsey at 19 years old and anything she's done tells me she will be able to carry a show the way Ashley Johnson carried that game with her voice and well, her and her performance. I mean, she's that she is that character. Yeah, but she'll never be she'll never be that character in real life anymore. She's like 35. She'll be that character in The Last of Us Part yeah, 3. Right? <laughs> no, Bella Ramsey's not carrying the show given her current ability. What does that even mean? We haven't seen anything from we haven't had she hasn't had yeah. any material we haven't yet. Had proof. Exactly. Yeah. That I'm like it, Nothing's fucking happened. These people haven't developed it. It's episode two. I've I've seen her in several things through two episodes. Great. I'm just saying, unless a lot happens, unless she gets a lot better at acting in the next couple of episodes. Well, I think we're going to see a lot more of her range and her ability to carry because I'm pretty sure they're going to be doing left behind stuff. And the winter season, like where she's out there dealing with. And did they get did I read that? No. Yeah, is is Nolan North playing the cannibal? I, I I can't. I don't. There's no way, right? No one gives a shit about Nolan North. Well, no, but no one gives a shit <laughs> Visually. about that character. He's a handsome guy. Like, I mean, he's he's a great he's a That's great fine. character. But I mean, like, he's fine. It's just gonna be like Put Joe Willem Dafoe in that role, and everyone loves it more. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that guy's that guy's goaded. My whole point was just that, <laughs> I, as much as you want to trust the artists, Chris, studio meddling, no matter how successful is a factor and to lose Pedro Pascal because you're going to tell a one for one adaptation of last was part two. There was not a lot of Joel in that game. Even with the flashbacks, it, there are just 20 hours without Joel in that game in a 24 hour game. 
the studio is really not going to want to, even if Bella Ramsey turns out to be the fucking second coming of Christ in the next couple episodes, to lose Pedro Pascal and what he brings, not only to the show and 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 how people perceive him and, and relate to him, but but just from like a marketing standpoint. Yeah, Glenn and The Walking Dead, bringing up a point you mentioned earlier. They'd be hard-pressed to do that. So, so no matter how you split it, last was part two, seasons uh season two parts a and b uh will it'll be it'll be pretty drastically changed (laughs) and and based on what we've seen in two episodes for the better but listen we're gonna do this hopefully every week because i i watch these episodes and i immediately just like want to fucking talk about it because there's just so much to soak up and i have really enjoyed it so far and i've enjoyed this conversation even though it's been long this has been my favorite podcast we've done in a long time the last couple, a lot longer. The than last couple have been bangers. Honestly, <laughs> I had a lot of fun. The last couple ones we did, yeah. but anyway, yeah, true. Any parting thoughts, Chris? No, I, I, I think that the treatment of season two is going to be like the question because I do think they have some big things to address. I do think like they're they're not going to milk Joel's death. He's he's dead. Episode two. I think we get one episode of here's our status quo and a storm is coming where we see Abby for the first time. And we get episode two, which is the snowstorm and Joel and Tommy and 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 Ellie in in the house and and Joel's dead and that's it. And I think we like we we end literally what could could like tell you exactly like the shot they end on literally of just like Ellie on the floor just pushing in on her with her face just getting like spattered with blood and the sound like going to like the ear ringing and then we're out. That's the end of episode Man. two. Like I can see it in my fucking head already. If they did split it. I could be the end of episode one. If they split it into two <laughs> seasons, Nick, and they answer your earlier question a little differently, like I, I really could see them expanding on the world and those characters and just writing their own episodes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're not they're not beholden to the game. I mean, Neil can add whatever he wants. I mean, this is his world and they're playing in it. So I mean, if they want to expand it and like thicken it up and like not in a way that feels like padding, but feels like enriching the story and the characters, then like by all means, you know, keep feeding us good show. But I don't know. Obviously I'm not invested in the, in the, the games and I'm sorry for whipping us no, on this good. tangent. Like we, we came into this recording wanting to talk about these two episodes of television. And now we're talking about future seasons that are not that's confirmed. great though. That's but fine. that's the great, <laughs> exactly. That's the great thing is like this show is already a bona fide fucking banger like it's done season one is going has changed the game already they're it's a not, foregone conclusion they're which not is funny. gonna fuck it up it's over we just get to take this ride and be like god damn it what a time to be alive but how they handle season two is gonna be a big a big fucking question so i'm glad we're talking about i'm glad we have the privilege the right to not sit here and like hem and haw and gnash our teeth and go yeah, the confidence is this going to turn out? Oh, I think it's going to turn out. Oh, but they're kind of fucking this thing up. They're not fucking anything up. The show is great. <laughs> like the show is terrific. And yeah. I, it'd be criminal if before we like sign off here, we didn't acknowledge like the work that Anna Torv did in her two episode turn as Tess uh, is Dude. fucking unbelievable. And that was contrary to a lot of the smooth brain tanks on the internet. That is a one dimensional character in the video game that she is toughy, tough, tough. I'm tough. I'm hardened. I'm so tough. And then she's dead. And that's her whole function of the game is to die so that Ellie can be the partner character that Joel runs around with in this show. Like that was a whole ass human being with really rich, like complex inner life going on. And 
like some, some people really, really had problems with some of the changes that like, oh, you don't go after that smuggler guy, that crime guy who like wronged you and she doesn't get to kill him. I'm like they definitely went after him. They were just already dead when they got there. No, yeah. Turning her character into like a reflection of Joel and how he's changed in, in this hellscape future where they are not like they are not in love. Like they are just there for each other because they need each other. And it is not pragmatic. It is it is the only thing they have. And I think that their chemistry together really sold Joel as this like hardened shell of a man who does not have really anything to live for except for like this weird tangential hope of like meeting up with his brother like that is his goal is to meet tommy and to like help him he thinks he might be in trouble and like that is the only thing he has like that's the only connection to his past that he has anymore and it's like not even real it's a distant it's a ringing on this weird morse code man's like radio i can't wait for sunday me neither. That's like I I haven't had like a weekly TV show since Andor got done that I'm just like, God damn, it's Wednesday. Like I get to see what the hell they have cooked up for me next. And boy, I mean, they're going to be, be covering a lot of ground every episode. So we're going to have like a thrill a minute. I God, I can't wait. I can't fucking wait. I can't <laughs> get some Nick Offman oh, yeah. on Sunday. Oh, yeah. I'm down oh. for that. Next week. Uh, hopefully we'll do this again Monday or Tuesday. We'll uh we'll break down the old whammy league that we just drafted before Yo. this episode. <laughs> now that we've pontificated, you know, about the future of this this franchise, despite only two episodes having been released, the next recap will be a lot shorter. Uh, not that this was a recap, but you know what I mean. Reaction impressions, discussion, general thoughts. We'll probably be a little more focused since we've already hashed out a bunch of our sort of knee jerk reactions right. of like jumping into an adaptation for the first time, especially with you two having experienced both the games so intimately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it'll be quicker. I'm looking forward to it. I, 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 uh, I hope they can keep, uh, keep them coming at the pace that they have been. It's always a bummer when you get like that 38 minute episode, like episode four, and you're like, fuck man, why is it so short? I gotta <laughs> wait another week for this shit. <laughs> so anyway, console crusade. Podcast. That's how you end a podcast right there. <laughs>